the fact that weight loss doesn't necessarily equal being healthier. You know, it's all about behaviors and how are you moving your body and how are you eating and how is your mental health? That is such an important part of things. Welcome to the Daily Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Stacey Mitchell, registered dietitian and personal trainer. I am so happy to have you here. My goal for this podcast is to break down the latest health topics and help clear the clutter in the messy world of nutrition and fitness. We hope to inspire, educate, and entertain all things wellness. We cut the baloney of the food shaming and focus on making healthy habits that work for you. Join us as we talk with experts in their fields on how to feel our best in our own body and mind. Hey there, thank you for joining us this week. Today on the podcast, we have registered dietitian Andy Grange, a non-diet dietitian who helps women stop dieting for good and find food freedom. One of my favorite things about this podcast, there are many, (laughs) one of them is having guests on that you can really connect with as you hear their story, whether that be following them on social media or taking part in their services. As you hear their story, sharing their struggles and successes, you may think to yourself, yes, I have that same problem or that has happened to me. And today's guest has a special story to share about her own struggles with an eating disorder. Andy has developed her Healthy Habits program to help women navigate and make peace with food after years of dieting. If you think about each diet you have tried in the past, not only did it mess with your metabolism, but it probably did the most damage to your mind and how you look at food, how you think about food. Andy talks about many instances where diet culture and previous diets have ruined how we eat, such as, are bananas okay to eat? Do carrots contain too much sugar? Can I eat after 7 p.m.? (laughs) So many questions. Andy helps clear up the damage from these diets. So join us for this conversation. Introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Andrea Grange. I go by Andy, um, and I am a registered dietitian. I've been a dietitian for about nine years, and I worked in the hospital for eight of those years and then started my private practice last year. Um, Kind of dabbled in it before that, but have really gotten into it in the last uh, six months or so. And I am an anti-diet dietitian, so I teach people how to intuitively eat and heal their relationship with food and all the fun things that go along with that. So, How did you get tied in the direction of anti-diet? Yeah, so I actually struggled with a pretty serious eating disorder in college um, and had a really unhealthy relationship with food for years and years. Even after I had, you know, quote unquote recovered, I still really struggled with just my relationship with food in general. And unfortunately, at least when I was in school, we didn't really learn much about intuitive eating and things like that. You know, it was more about counting calories and measuring everything. Um, So I kind of started just to do my own research and reach out to other anti-diet dietitians. And it just made so much more sense to me. So I started reading about it and researching it. And it has just become my philosophy. And it's just amazing to see how it's changed my life and the lives of the people I work with. So I absolutely love it. At that time during college, were you in the 
the hard work of dietetics? I was. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think dietetics is awesome. Um, and there are so many different views on it, you know? Um, so people can go a lot of different directions, but it's definitely hard work. And, and I definitely was struggled with my eating disorder in college. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what drove me to go into dietetics is just kind of this obsession with food. And I think that actually happens for quite a few people. You know, we've found out recently that there are actually a lot of dietitians who have struggled with eating disorders in the past. But I think in some ways that can actually be really helpful because then they know what people are going through. And I think for me with my clients, you know, I understand where they're at when they struggle because I've been there. So I think it can be really helpful. Yeah, that giving the the relatability of of the feelings and the emotions and the thoughts that get tangled up in the mess. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know like when I saw a dietitian and a therapist, when I was going through my eating disorder, I had some really amazing ones, but I did have some dietitians that I felt like just didn't really get where I was coming from. And so it was really hard for them to relate to me. And I'm not saying, you know, that not anyone can help, you know, dietitians that haven't struggled obviously can still help, but I think there is a relatability factor that can be really helpful in some situations. And that's one of the beauties of kind of niching down to to where you want to focus on, because there are some great dietitians that maybe do help in other categories. And in your case with the anti-diets. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know so many dietitians that, you know, there's so many different niches and that's what's awesome is you can find a dietitian for exactly what you need. You know, somebody comes to me and they're like, hey, I really am struggling with my picky eater. And I'm like, I don't know how to help you, but I can point you to somebody that does. I mean, not that I don't know how to help them, but that's not my expertise, right? So it's, it's really nice to be able to work with clients that I specifically feel like I can really help and then point people to other dietitians that I know can help for whatever their situation is. Totally. What would you say would be your main driving message, your nutrition message for your clients and your audience? I think as I've been thinking about it lately and just the people that I've been working with is just the fact that weight loss doesn't necessarily equal being healthier. You know, it's all about behaviors and how are you moving your body and how are you eating and how is your mental health? That is such an important part of things. So I think we get so focused on weight loss and, you know, I hear people all the time tell me I need to lose weight. I need to be healthier. Um, And sometimes weight loss can help with that, but it's, not necessarily always a direct, you know, if you lose weight, you're going to be healthier. Sometimes that's not the case. It's all about those behavior changes. So I think that's what I'm always trying to teach people is, you know, changing your behavior and creating healthy habits is so much more important than what the scale says. And how do you kind of take them through um, seeing that as the focus? Yeah. So I have a coaching program that I take people through and right now it's three months and we start out with really just doing a lot of mindset work. We don't focus on the scale at all. I try to encourage them to not get on the scale if they can, you know, sometimes that's really hard for people, but I try to really take them through things that I went through and just a lot of mindset work. You know, I have different videos that I give them and resources and worksheets that they're filling out and journaling about mindful eating and just really getting in their head and trying to figure out what thoughts they're having behind their eating because it's so much more about, you know, what are we thinking about what we're eating more so than what we're eating. You know, I've, I've heard people say, as a dietitian, I care more about why you ate something than what you ate, which for me is very true. So a lot of it is, you know, I'm not having them 
record what they're eating necessarily. I'm just having them record more of their feelings and really trying to dig in deep to like what's going on behind the scenes that's causing these different eating behaviors. So much of the food plays with the mind. We should have gotten a little um, psychology uh, degree with the dietetics. That would have maybe helped. (laughs) No, I totally agree. I've said before, sometimes I feel like I'm more of a therapist than a dietitian, which I'm not qualified to be a therapist. I'm not saying that, but definitely, I mean, I have people cry on our sessions, which is fine. You know, I mean, it's, it's emotional, like getting behind the emotions of eating is very, it is, you know, and even with whether it's more serious eating disorder or something just where somebody's just kind of struggling with disordered eating habits or their relationship with food, it really all comes back to the mindset and what's going on and the feelings behind it. You know, you sometimes people hear the phrase like eating disorders aren't about the food and that can seem confusing because you're like, isn't that what it's all about? But really that's just a coping mechanism for the feelings that you're having. So it really does come down just to what are the feelings behind what's going on and really dealing with those before you can address the eating behaviors. Totally. Um, what is one area that your clients or your audience seem to get stuck and you have to just kind of keep driving it to them? That is an easy question actually to answer because I would 100% say body image. So there is a whole section that I work with my clients on in our coaching program that's based all around body image because I think, you know, making peace with food and creating healthy habits can be a little bit easier than actually learning to accept your body and realizing, you know, because of the world that we live in and with social media and with everything that we see on the screen and models, and I think we are getting a little bit better, but in general, it's still really hard to recognize that being in a larger body or a body that's not the quote unquote typical, you know, beautiful body, um, you know, trying to make them realize that that's not unhealthy. It's not ugly. You know, there's, there can be beauty and health in all different sizes. And that is a really hard thing for them to grasp. And that's something that I'm always just pounding into them and, and giving them tons of resources and, you know, things that we do. There's a lot of journaling and different practices that we do just to remind ourselves that our worth does not come from our body, but that is very hard for people to grasp. And I get it. It was hard for me too. So practice and a lot of grace. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> yes. If someone is stuck or having a bad day of feeling not good in their body, what would you say to them? I think one of the biggest things is to reach out. So that's why I love having clients because sometimes they'll just reach out to me and send me, you know, a voice message on Instagram or something and say, I am really struggling today. I've had that happen multiple times where somebody reaches out and just says, I'm struggling. And really, I feel like half of my job is just to be their cheerleader and, you know, talk them down and help remind them of what their worth is and remind them about, you know, their body not being the most important thing. And a lot of times just kind of talking them through it helps so much. And then the other really important thing I think is self-care and taking time to really take care of yourself, you know, and doing little things, whether it's meditating, going for a walk, listening to music, you know, anything that kind of calms you down and relaxes you and just makes you feel good um, is so helpful because it can, you can kind of get stuck in this, you know, downward spiral once you start to feel bad about yourself, it just goes and goes and goes and you have to have something to get you out of that. And I think reaching out to somebody that can help you and then also having some self-care can really help you get out of that, you know, spinning cycle. It kind of sounds <laughs> like you're building that whole wheel of health uh, for a 
stable, stabilization for the habits. Yeah. And that's, so my program is actually called Healthy Habits um, because it does, it focuses on, you know, how to not only heal your relationship with food, but how to create healthy habits that often get overlooked. Things like sleeping enough and moving your body in a way that's enjoyable and stress management and hydration. And so many times I think we just think about diet and exercise and that's what I need, you know, and, and we underestimate how important all the other things are that really impact our health and, and weight even a lot more than, than we give them credit for. Within all the areas of health, uh, you focus on mindful eating. Is there some intuitive eating lessons in there as well? Yeah, definitely. So we go through mindful eating, we go into, you know, emotional eating and stress eating and kind of assessing is it emotional hunger versus physical hunger and how to do that. And then we do a lot of intuitive eating and how do you learn to listen to your body and how do you start to recognize your hunger and fullness again and all of those things that seem so basic, but you know, when you've spent years dieting, you can totally lose sight of how to know when you're hungry and full and how to know how much to eat and how to know what you're craving, you know, all those things that we're born being able to do, but unfortunately diet culture kind of just drills them out of us to the point where we don't even remember how to do them anymore. I just look at my kids and I'm like, oh, you still have it, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. So on social media, what would you say would be your popular reels or posts that really kind of uh, bring people towards you? Yeah, I think the biggest ones, a lot of times it's just funny things that I hear. Like I had a reel that I did recently that was kind of making fun of saying that carrots have too much sugar and people just really loved that. And they were like, yes, I've heard this. It's so crazy. So just those like kind of insane things that we hear, but then kind of tend to become popular. You know, I did another one about like bananas having too much sugar or just like random little things that you hear that then become this big you know, phenomenon that are totally untrue. And people seem to really like those. And then I would say the other one is things based on body image and kind of that reminder that there's so much more to life than what you look like, you know, any kind of like quotes or different things that I put out there about really life being about more than your body size and more about making memories and, you know, doing the things that you love that really tends to like strike people, I think, because it's just that reminder that we all need sometimes. Yes. Um, I was talking about this with a client too. And we kind of said that, you know, intermittent fasting killed breakfast and keto killed bananas. Like there are these connections that just, it's, it's hard to kind of just tie off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hard too, because there's so many different voices out there. There's so much different information. That's one of the things I hear the most is people are like, I'm just confused. Like I hear one thing, you know, I hear bananas are good. And then I hear they're terrible. And like, I don't know, should I be eating bananas? You know, so it's just, there's so many different voices telling you so many different contradicting things that it's really hard to figure out what's true and what's not. When you were talking about disordered eating, um, are there any kind of big aha moments that your clients find like, oh, that was disordered eating as, you know, and move on from there? 
Yeah, it's funny actually how many times, you know, I'll have sometimes people join my program and they're like, oh, I think I have a pretty healthy relationship with food, but this might be helpful for me. You know, I'd still like to work on it. I'm going to join your program. And then they get in the program and I hear people talking about how they're trying to limit their sugar or they only eat bread once a day or they don't eat after a certain time at night, you know, and they're like, oh, I didn't realize that those were kind of disordered eating habits or that that was me dieting and restricting. I just thought that was normal. I thought that's what we were supposed to do. You know, so, so many of these diet rules and these restrictions have become so normal that we don't even see them as dieting anymore. We just think that's part of life. And so I, many people don't even realize that they do have disordered eating habits because it's just so mainstream now. And then when they're actually able to realize like, wait, you're telling me I can eat at 10 o'clock at night if that's more convenient or if that's, you know, I have a thing. So things like that, they just get super excited about. It's kind of hard to break away from those habits. Uh, for someone that is teetering with being sick of dieting, but may not want to let go of it yet, what would you tell them? I think the biggest thing is just to start adding in things. So my biggest thing with people is instead of focusing on what you need to take away, you know, take away sugar, take away carbs, take away X, Y, Z, start focusing more on what you can add in. You know, how do you add in more water? How do you add in more veggies? So instead of focusing on what you have to take away, focus on what you can add. And I think that makes it a lot more doable for people and they're able to start to kind of make that transition into really a healthy lifestyle without feeling like they have to go all in, you know, all of a sudden, because it can be scary if you've been dieting for a long time to just completely step away from that. Um, and so that's why, you know, in my program, I kind of teach you step by step how to do that. But I think one of the biggest things is just starting to really add in good things. And then you start to realize like there's so many good things that you don't really have to focus on what you have to take out. You're, you know, already implementing all these things that are making you feel better. Um, so really just focusing on adding things instead of taking things away or restricting things. Yes. I was just scrolling down your page and this popped up. That's perfect. On one of your posts, you, you write, if you're considering going on a diet to lose weight, remember this. Dieting is the number one predictor of weight gain. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So there was a study because I think sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, sure. Like she made that up or, you know, whatever. So there was actually a study done, I believe it was at Harvard University, and they took 31 of the very large studies that studied dieting and found that the number one predictor of weight gain was actually dieting. And I think that just shocks people because initially diets often do work, right? The first week or couple weeks or even couple of months, you know, people are like, well, I lost weight. But then six months later, a year later, I regained it all plus 10 pounds. And so, you know, the more that we do that, the more damage we do to our metabolisms and our minds, and it just makes it harder and harder. So actually, the biggest predictor of gaining weight is trying to diet. And that can be really shocking to people because, you know, you think of diet, that equals weight loss, and it might initially, but it usually ends up equaling weight gain, you know. And the studies show us that at least two-thirds, more than two-thirds of people regain the weight they lost. So that's what kind of gets us so stuck in that diet cycle and the yo-yoing because you want that quick weight loss, you want that quick fix, but really that's just going to lead to regain. So it's all about, you know, if you do need to lose weight, and I think a lot of people think they need to lose weight that don't, and obviously there are some that would benefit from weight loss, but it's much better to do it by creating healthy habits, not dieting, and doing that slow, steady weight loss that leads to something that's actually 
totally. Um, we always see the the quick fix, the end result. Nobody wants to show what happened six months later or a year later because that would be embarrassing. But it is totally true. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you see all these before and after photos, you know, like challenges, like one month challenge or eight week challenge or whatever. And these before and after pictures are so impressive. And you're like, oh my gosh, this person lost so much weight. But yeah, there's no picture of them six months later or a year later. What do they look like then, right? So is it really worth it if you're just going to do so much damage to your body and your mind by doing this up and down cycle all the time? You have another topic that kind of hits home with me. And post is, is sugar addictive? What's your take on that? (laughs) Yes. So I 100% would say no. Um, You know, I see all of these things about food addiction and sugar addiction and what we've come to realize and what I've seen in my own life. So I can, you know, testify of it myself is really what leads to that quote unquote addiction is trying to restrict it. You know, there's that famous study that they did years ago on the starvation study where they cut their calories and these men were obsessed with food. All they could think about, talk about, you know, they wanted to look at recipe books. Like it's proven that when we restrict things, it makes us want them more and become obsessed. And I know when I was in my eating disorder days, you know, in the, in the thick of it, I was obsessed with food. I was constantly looking at Pinterest for recipes. You know, it's all I could think about. Um, and so really that addiction, again, quote unquote addiction really comes from the restriction. Once you're able to just give yourself permission to eat foods whenever you want any food you want, it really loses all its power. So I very much don't believe in food addiction or sugar addiction more that it's the restriction that's causing those feelings of addiction and obsession. So yeah, the more you're restricting, the more you want it, the less you restrict, the less you want. I mean, I can say for sure, you know, now it was funny. I think it was just last night. I was thinking like, Oh, it's Sunday night. I usually like, we'll make cookies or something on Sunday. And I was like, you know what? I don't even like cookies. don't even really sound good. I don't want one. And I cannot think of a time when I was restricting sugar and cookies that I would have been like, I don't really want a cookie because I always wanted one because I couldn't have it. And, you know, now that it's like I can have it whenever I want, I literally was like, I don't really want one. It doesn't sound good, which is so crazy to to realize that that actually happens, but it really does. And what would you say is the connection with cravings with that too? With cravings with your, with restricting? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it just comes back to, you know, anything you, you can't have, you want. And so anything that you're like, Oh, I'm not allowed to have that. Or I can only have that on my cheat day or weekends or whatever. You start to crave that food so much more. You want it. It's enticing. It sounds good. You know, and a lot of what I do also with my clients is helping them start to listen to, you know, or not listen, but more like notice their taste. It was funny because I I've shared this on social media, but I had a client who I was working with and she would only let herself eat certain foods on cheat days. And one of the cheat meals she would always have was like a Big Mac and nuggets from McDonald's. And she would just like binge on that. And I've been working with her for quite a while and her husband wanted to go to McDonald's and she was like, Oh, okay. Like I'll go get a Big Mac and some nuggets, not in a binging way. She was doing a lot better, but she was like, Oh, that's like, you know, my treat food that I like to have sometimes. And so she went and got it and she was like, I all of a sudden was like eating my Big Mac and I was like, I don't even like this. Like it doesn't taste good. And so it's crazy. You know, we put like 
so much emphasis on if a food is good or bad or if we should eat it or not that a lot of times we don't even notice if we want it, if we like it, if we crave it. And once we start to slow down and, you know, put neutrality with food, sometimes we realize we don't even really like the foods that we were eating. It was just the fact that we couldn't eat them that made us crave them. Right. I have been seeing this a lot. I don't know if it's from other influencers or where it's actually coming from. It's probably. And we're talking about, you know, overcoming these cravings. And I was thinking, do I have strong food cravings? I was like, there's always something that sounds good. That's kind of a craving, but is it overcoming me? Uh, Is it taking control of me? And I'm like, ah, that is when the restriction sets in. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. And one thing I talked to people about, is kind of that physical versus emotional hunger. And usually physical hunger, you know, there's certain things that you crave or that sound better, but usually it can be fulfilled by a variety of things. Whereas emotional hunger is normally more specific of like, I need ice cream right now, or I need a cookie right now, you know? So it's, it's more that emotional side of us that usually makes us like really crave a certain specific, like I need this, well, right. you know, comfort food right now. It's not about the food. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's what is our coping mechanism? What, if we always turn to ice cream when we're sad, which is not a bad thing to do, but if that's our only coping mechanism, then it, it you know becomes a problem. So, right. do you have any um, testimonials or or clients that you have worked with, like similar that you have said that you want to extend on? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of my clients I was talking to and she was saying that she used to think about food 95% of the time, kind of what we were talking about where you just become so obsessed with it and it's just always on your mind of what you can eat or can't eat or want to eat. Um, And after our time working together, by the end, she was like, I think about food maybe 5% of the time, you know, I just kind of think about it before I eat. Um, And so that was so cool to see just that transition of, you know, not having to constantly be thinking about food, but being able to just live your life and enjoy life and, you know, eat food because it is enjoyable and it should be enjoyed, but it shouldn't be the focus of your whole life because then it just becomes overwhelming and terrible. So yeah, that things like that are always really cool to hear when, when people are like, I'm able to live my life now without always thinking about food. And then the other thing I think is really cool is I don't focus on weight loss, obviously, you know, that's not the goal of my program, but I, I tell people often that most of my clients do lose weight and it's not a huge quick, you know, 50 pounds in two months or anything like that. But most of my clients, once they start implementing these healthy habits and actually heal their relationship with food, they find that they're able to stop binging. They're able to stop overeating, you know, cause they're noticing their hunger and fullness. And most of them do end up losing weight and it's not even necessarily on the scale. Maybe it is, but a lot of times they're just like, oh, my clothes are looser. I feel better. You know, I have more energy, things like that. So it's so cool to just see how it makes their life better, even aside from, you know, changes on the scale. Yes. Uh, Where can people connect with you and follow you? Yeah. So the biggest place that I am is on Instagram. So I'm at dietitian.andy, um, A-N-D-I-E-E. And then I also have a TikTok, which I am trying to have the motivation to be on everything at once. Sometimes social media can be a lot. Um, and then I also have a Facebook group, Dietitian Andy. So pretty much anywhere, if you look up Dietitian Andy, uh, you can find me there. 
your reels are fantastic. I was going to ask you, is that your full-time job? <laughs> yeah, well, it is. So actually, um, like I said, I worked at a hospital for eight years. And then my husband and I, when we moved to Arizona last year, we moved to a tiny little town. Um, there was really nowhere for me to work. And I was kind of looking for remote jobs. And I just realized, you know what? Why don't I go into business for myself and do this full-time? And so I decided to do that. And now it is my full-time job. And it's, it's awesome. I love it. And it's funny to like, making reels for a job but it you know it's enjoyable and I, it's kind of a creative outlet and so yeah it's, it's really fun well you do a great job on it and I was just looking at your let me slide this over your my fitness pal that was really funny uh, yeah. because of you yeah. song <laughs> uh-huh. yeah I used to definitely yeah I, I ate a lot of weird I think on that caption I talked about how I ate a lot of weird concoctions trying to fit exactly what fit in my macros instead of just eating what I wanted and so it was a lot of years of not eating my favorite foods because they didn't quite fit in my macros that I thought I had to eat within so um can you share a little bit how long that took for your journey to kind of get to making peace with food yeah so um you know I would say like the very depths of my eating disorder and when I really really struggled and worked with a therapist and stuff was about two and a half maybe three years. And then, you know, I thought that I was recovered and I mostly was, you know, I had restored my weight and I was eating enough, but really my relationship with food in my head was very disordered still. And so I would say from, you know, the very beginning to the very end was probably six ish years. Um, and I think sometimes that can feel scary, but you know, I have the rest of my life that I can now enjoy and not be obsessed with food. So putting in that work, like I would do it again and again, because it just completely changed my life. Ah, that's so great to hear. Uh, any other last takeaways before we go into our closing questions? Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, I'll, I just want everyone to know, like, you can do it. Um, I think I hear sometimes like, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't know if it's going to work for me. I'm not one exception. Um, and I would say, A, most people think that. B, I thought that. Um, but you can do it. And I think just believing in yourself and realizing that you're worth being able to heal your relationship with food and you're worth being able to have a good body image and all of those things, like just believe in yourself because you can do it. Like I always say, I'm living proof and my clients are living proof. Like anyone can do this if they want to. I think sometimes people, what don't realize is how much space it takes up in the head. And that's, you're saving them years of their lives of not having to play that game with food. Um, so that's helpful. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just being able to focus on your kids and your family and your job and your hobbies and just like actually make memories and not be constantly like calculating food and macros and calories in your head is 100% worth it. Right. Okay. Well, we'll get into our closing questions here. And the first yeah. one is if you were in a TV show, which one would you be in? Um, I would have to say Gilmore Girls. I've been obsessed with that show since forever. I've probably watched it 50 times all the way through and it never gets old. It just like is my comfort when I need like a little pick me up. I turn on Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I love it. Um, what is one food someone has said a dietitian eats that? Um, I think it's like any dessert really when I was at the hospital, if I ever like was one to go into the, you know, whatever group room, 
um, and go get some dessert. People were always like, wait, are you eating that? So yeah, any kind of like treat, dessert, candy, I feel like kind of gets that wrap. Ah, those eyes, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, best or latest book you have read? Oh, um, I mean, I've been reading a lot of entrepreneur books lately. Um, there's a really one, good one called Chillpreneur that I've been reading. But I think also, I just love any kind of murder mystery book. Those are always my favorites. Just kind of like suspense, um, just kind of take me into my own world when I need a little, you know, release from real life. So not have to think. I love those. Um, yeah, it was so fun to chat with you. Thanks again. I appreciate your time. And thank you. Did you guys hear that? I think I need to repeat. The number one predictor of weight gain comes from dieting. I think that is one of my favorite takeaways from talking with Andy. If you do not follow her on social media, go ahead and do so because her reels, posts really get you thinking about these ideas that we maybe once thought were normal. She really hits on those hot topics that could ruffle some feathers for some people, but she holds strong to the truth. She's the real deal. Um, you probably know, but I don't know my guests personally, <laughs> but I love them. And I end up picking some smart and strong dietitians that can take on the world. I'm so honored to have them a part of this show and really just help clear up that diet clutter, right? So if you have enjoyed this episode, share with a friend and I'm announcing a summer series dedicated to diet detox. Yes, we are breaking down every diet myth and setting the stage for you to enjoy your current beach body. Um, I think sometimes when we put on the shorts or the swimsuits, we start to think, oh no, I need to do that fast detox or that quick fix diet and no 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 no. we are going to be in your ears this summer telling you why and how to find balance with food and your body so more on that to come i am so excited but i just want to thank you today for spending your time with us this week and we will see you back next week on the daily dietitian podcast